Welcome to another video by Quiet Mind, Happy Heart. In this video, we're going to look at Hawaiian legends and myths of volcanoes. And we'll also have a look at the Hawaiian mythology of goddesses. So please get comfortable and let's get started. Pele and the Snow Goddess there were four maidens with white mantles in the mythology of the Hawaiians. They were all queens of beauty, full of wit and wisdom, lovers of adventure, and enemies of Pele, the goddess of volcanoes who formed the Hawaiian islands. These four maidens were the goddesses of the snow-covered mountains. They embodied the mythical ideas of spirits carrying on eternal warfare between heat and cold, fire and frost, burning lava, and stony ice. They ruled the mountains north of Kilauea and dwelt in the cloud-capped summits. They clothed themselves against the bitter cold with snow mantles. They had all the power of laying aside the white garment and taking in its place clothes made from the golden sunshine. Their stories are nature myths derived from the power of snow and cold to slow volcanic action and sometimes clothe the mountaintops and upper slopes with layers of beautiful white which melted as the maidens came down closer to the sea through the lands made of flowing streams and blessed sunshine. Lilinoa was sometimes known as the goddess of the mountain Haleakala. In her hands lay the power to hold in check the eruptions which might break forth through the old cinder cones in the floor of the great crater. She was the goddess of dead fires and desolation. She sometimes clothed the long summit of the mountain with a glorious garment of snow several miles in length. She was known to have had a cave dwelling on the slope of Mauna Kea. Therefore, she is also known as the goddess of Mauna Kea. Waiya was another snow maiden of Mauna Kea, whose record in the legends has been almost entirely forgotten until now. There is a beautiful lake glistening in one of the crater cones on the summit of the mountain. This was sometimes called the Bottomless Lake, and was supposed to go down deep into the heart of the mountain. It's forty feet in its greatest depth, which is deep enough for the bath of the goddess. A fitting name because Waiao means water of sufficient depth in which to bathe. Kahupokane was the goddess of the mountain Haulalai, controlling the snows which, after long intervals, fall on its desolate summits. 
At present, little more than the name is known about this maiden of the snow garment. Poliahu, the best known among the maidens of the mountains, loved the eastern cliffs of the great island Hawaii, the precipices which rise from the raging surf which beats against the coast known now as the Hamakua district. Here she sported amongst mortals, meeting the chiefs in their many and curious games of chance and skill. Sometimes she wore a mantle of pure white and rested on the ledge of rock overhanging the torrents of water, which in various places fell into the sea. Iwohikupua, passing near the cliffs of Hamakua, saw a beautiful woman resting on the rocks above the sea. She beckoned with most graceful gestures for him to approach the beach. Her white mantle lay on the rocks beside her. He landed there and proposed marriage, but she made a betrothal with him by the exchange of cloaks which they were wearing. Iwohikupua went away to Kauai, but he soon returned clad in the white cloak and wearing a beautiful helmet of red feathers. A large retinue of canoes attended him, filled with musicians and singers and his companions. The three mountains that belonged to the snow goddesses were clothed with snow almost down to the seashore. Poliahu and the three other maidens of the white robe came down to meet the guests from Kauai. Cold winds swayed their garments as they drew near to the sea. The blood of the people of Kauai chilled in their veins. Then the maidens threw off their white mantles and called for the sunshine. The snow went back to the mountaintops, and the maidens, in the beauty of their golden sun garments, gave hearty greeting to their friends. After the days of the marriage festival, Poliahu and her chief went to Kauai. The queen of the island Maui had also a promise given by Iwohikupua. In her anger, she hastened to Kauai, and in the midst of the Kauai festivities, revealed herself and told the chief that she knew of his lies. Poliahu turned against her husband and forsook him. The chief's friends made a reconciliation between the Maui chiefess and Iwohikupua, but when the day of marriage came, the chiefess found herself surrounded by an invisible atmosphere of the most terrible cold. This grew more and more intense as she sought aid from the chief. At last he called to her, 
This snow is the snow mantle of Poliahu. Flee the place of fire. But down by the fire, the sun mantle belonging to Poliahu was thrown around her, and she cried out, Heiwela, Heiwela, which means the heat, oh, the heat. Then the chief answered, This heat is the anger of Poliahu. So the Maui chiefess hastened away from Kauai to her own home. Then Poliahu and her friends of the white mantle threw their cold wave over the chief and his friends, and while they shivered and were chilled almost to the verge of death, appeared before all the people standing in their shining robes of snow. Glittering in the glory of the sun, then casting once more their cold breath upon the multitude, disappeared forever from Kauai, returning to their own home on the great mountains of the southern islands. It may have been before or after this strange, legendary courtship that the Snow Maiden met Pele. The goddess of volcanic fires. Pele loved holua coasting, the race of sleds, which were long and narrow, and went down sloping, grassy hillsides. Pele usually appeared as a woman of wonderfully beautiful countenance and form. A stranger unknown to any of the different companions entering into the sport, the chiefs of the different districts of the various islands had their favorite meeting places for any sport in which they desired to engage. There were sheltered places where gambling reigned. Or open glades where boxing and spear throwing could be best practiced, or sea coasts where the splendid surf made riding the waves on surfboards a scene of intoxicating delight. There were hillsides where sled riders had the opportunity for the exercise of every atom of their skill and strength. Poliahu and her friends had come down from Mauna Kea to a sloping hillside south of Hamakua. Suddenly, in their midst, appeared a stranger of surpassing beauty. Poliahu welcomed her, and the races continued. Some of the legend tellers think that Pele was angered by the superiority. Whether real or imaginary, of Poliahu, and upon this meeting, the ground began to grow warm, and Poliahu knew her enemy. Pele threw off all disguise and called for the forces of fire to burst open the doors of the subterranean caverns of Mauna Kea. Up toward the mountain, she marshaled her fire fountains. Poliahu fled toward the summit. 
the snow mantle was seized by the outbursting lava, but Poliahu's snow mantle was seized by the outbursting lava and began to burn up. Poliahu grasped at the robe, dragging it away and carrying it with her. She soon regained strength and threw the mantle over the entire mountain. Then there were earthquakes upon earthquakes, shaking the great island from sea to sea. The mountains trembled while the tossing waves of the conflict between fire and snow passed through them and over them. Great rocks staggered and fell down the sides of the mountains. Clouds gathered over the mountain summit at the call of the snow goddess. Each cloud was gray with frozen moisture, and the snows fell deep and fast on the mountain. Farther and farther down the sides, the snow mantle unfolded until it dropped on the very fountains of fire. The lava chilled and hardened and choked the flowing, burning rivers. Pele's servants became her enemies. The lava, becoming stone, filled up the holes out of which the red, melted mass was trying to force itself. Slowed and chilled, the lava streams were beaten back into the depths of Mauna Loa and Kilauea. The fire rivers, already rushing to the sea, were narrowed and driven downward so rapidly that they leapt out from the land, immediately becoming the prey of the remorseless ocean. Thus the ragged mast of Lapahoahoa was formed, and the great ledge of the ark Onomea, and the different sharp and torn lavas in the ledge of the sea, which mark the various eruptions of centuries past. Poliahu met Pele in legendary battles many, many times. She has kept the upper part of the mountain desolate under her mantle of snow and ice, but down toward the sea, the most luxuriant valleys and hillside slopes attest the gifts of the goddess to the beauty of the island and the welfare of humanity. Out of Mount Aloha, Pele has stepped forth again and again, and has hurled eruptions of mighty force and great extent against the maiden of the snow mantle. But the natives say that in this battle, Pele has been, and always will be, defeated. Pele's kingdom has been limited to the southern half of the island of Hawaii while the snow maidens rule the territory to the north. Pele's Long Sleep Pele and her family dwelt in the beauty of Puna. On a certain day there was a fine, clear atmosphere, 
and Pele saw the splendid surf with its white crests and proposed to her sisters to go down for bathing and surfing. Pele, as the high chiefess of the family, first entered the water and swam far out, then returned, standing on the brink of the curling wave, for the very crest was her surfboard, which she rode with great skill. Sometimes her brother, Kamahoali, the great shark god, would be her surfboard in the form of a shark. Again and again she went out to the deep pit of the waves, her sisters causing the country island to resound with their acclamation, for she rode as one born of the sea. At last she came to the beach, and, telling the sisters that the taboo on swimming was lifted, and they could enter upon their sport, went inland with her youngest sister, Hiyaka, to watch while she slept. They went to a house thatched with tie leaves, a house built for the goddess. There Pele lay down, saying to her sister, Hiyaka, I will sleep, giving up to the shadows of the falling evening, dropping into the very depths of slumber. Very hard will be this sleep. I am jealous of it, therefore it is taboo. This is my command to you, O oh my little one. Wait you without arousing me nine days and eight nights. Then call me and chant the Hulihia to bring me back to life and revive my body. Then Pele added, Perhaps this sleep will be my journey to meet my husband. If I shall meet my lover in my dreams, the sleep will be of great value. Now I will sleep. Hiyaka moved softly about the head of her sister Pele, swaying a beautiful and fringed kahili. The perfume of the hala, the fragrance of Kiano clung to the walls of the house. From that time, Puna has been famous as the land fragrant with perfume of the leaves and flowers of the hala tree. Whenever Pele slept, she lost the appearance which she usually assumed of a beautiful and glorious young woman surpassing all the other women in the islands. Sleep brought out her age, and she began to look withered and old. Whenever any worshipper saw the group of sisters and Pele was in their midst, they always saw a weary old woman lying in the firebed of the great crater. While Pele was sleeping, her spirit heard the sound of a hula drum being played skillfully, and accompanied by a chant sung by a wonderful voice. 
the spirit of Pele arose from her body and listened to the voice. She thought it was the hula of Laka, the great goddess of the dance. Then she heard the male voices, strong and tender, and a great joy awoke within her, and she listened toward the east, but the hula was not there. Then westward, and there were the rich tones of the beaten drum and the chant. Pele's spirit cried out, The voice of love comes on the wind. I will go now and meet it. Then Pele forsook Kianu and went to Hilo, but the drum was not there. She passed from place to place, led by the call of the drum and the dance, following it along the pallies and over the deep ravines, through the forest shadows and along the rocky beaches, until she came to the upper end of Hawaii. There she heard the call coming across the sea from the island Maui. Her spirit crossed the channel and listened again. The voices of the dance were louder and clearer and even more beautiful. She passed from island to island until she came to Kauai, and there the drumbeat and the song of the dance did not die away or change, so she knew she had found the lover she desired in her dream. Pelly's spirit now put on the body of a strong, healthful young woman. There was no blemish in her beauty and symmetry from head to foot. She was anointed with all the fragrant oils of Puna. Her dress was the splendid garland of the red lehua flower and mele leaf and the fern from the dwelling places of the gods. The tender vines of the deep woods veiled this queen of the crater. In glorious young womanhood she went to the Halau. The dark body of a great mist enveloped her. The drum and the voice had led her to Haena, Kauai, to the house of Lohiau, the high-born chief of the island. The house for dancing was long and was beautifully draped with linens of all kinds. It was full of chiefs engaged in sport, and the common people were gathered outside. The multitude saw a glorious young woman step out of the mist. Then they raised a great shout, praising her with strong voices. It seemed as if the Queen of Sunrise had summoned the beauty of the morning to rest upon her. The countenance of Pele was like the clearest and gentlest moonlight. The people made a vacant space for the passage of this beautiful stranger and cast themselves on the ground before her. Pele entered the long house, passed by the place of the drums, 
and seated herself on a resting place of soft, royal mats. The chiefs were astonished, and after a long time, they asked her if she came from the far-off sunrise of foreign lands. Smiling, Pele replied, I belong to Kauai. Lohiao, the high chief, then said, O oh, stranger, child of a journey, you speak in riddles. I know Kauai from harbor to clustered hills, and my eyes have never seen any woman like you. Then Pele replied, The place where you did not stop, there I was. But Lohiao refused her thought, and asked her to tell truly where she had come from. And at last Pele acknowledged that she had come from Puna, the place beloved by the sunrise at High High. The chiefs urged her to join them in a feast, but she refused, saying she had eaten recently and was satisfied, but that she was only hungry for the hula and the voices and the drum. Then Lohiao told her that her welcome was all that he could give. For me is the island, inland, seaward, and all around Kauai. This is your place. The home you have in Puna, you will think you see again in Kauai. The name of my house for you is Halau Ola which means the tree of life. Pele replied, The name of your house is beautiful. My home in Puna is Maoriloa, which means long life. I will accept this house of yours. Lohia watched her while he partook of the feast with his chiefs, and she was resting on the couch. He was thinking that her beauty was marvelous and restful. Then Lohiao proposed to his chiefs that he should take this beautiful chiefess from Kauai as his queen, and his thought seemed good to everyone. Turning to Pele, he offered himself to her as her husband, and he was accepted. Then Lohiao arose and ordered the sports to cease while they all slept. Pele and Lohiao were married and dwelt together several days, according to the custom of the time. After this time had passed, Lohiao planned another great feast and a day for the hula dance and the sports of the people. When they came together, beautiful were the dances, and sweet the voices of Lohiao and his Aikane. Three of the women of Kauai, who were known as the guardians of Hena, had come to the Halau and taken their places near Lohiao. The people greeted their coming with great applause, for they were very beautiful and also possessed supernatural powers. 
Their beauty was like that of Pele, except for the paleness of their skins, which had come from their power to appear in different forms, according to their desires. They were female moa, or dragons. Their human beauty was enhanced by their garments of ferns and leaves and flowers. Pele had told Lohiao of their coming and had charged him in these words, Remember, you have been set apart for me. Remember and know our companionship. Therefore, I place upon you my law, Kika Okia. You are cut off by the sea, separated from all for me. Lohiao looked upon these beautiful women. The chiefess of the women, Kilinoe, was the most interesting. She refused to eat while the others partook of a feast before the dancing began, and she sat watching carefully with large, bright, shining eyes the face of Lohiao, using magic power to make him pay attention to her charms. Pelly did not wish these women to know her, so she placed a shadow between them and her so that they looked upon her as through a mist. There the chiefs took their hula drums and sat down preparing to play for the dancers. Then up rose Kilinoe, and taking ferns and flowers from her skirts, she made fragrant wreaths to crown Lohiao and his fella hula drummers, expecting the chief to see her beauty and take her for his companion. But the law of Pele was upon him, and he called to her for a chant before the dance could commence. Pele threw aside her shadow garments and came out clothed in her beautiful pahu, and fragrant with the perfumes of Puna, she said, It is not for me to give an oli oli mele, to chant to your native dance, but I will call the guardian winds from your islands Nihau and Kuai, O Lohiao and they will answer my call. Then she called for the gods who came to Hawaii, the gods of her old home now known through all of Polynesia, the great gods Lono and his brothers coming in on the winds of heaven. Then she called on all the noted winds of the island Nihau, stating the directions from which they came, the points of land struck when they touched the island, their wickedness or power, and their helpfulness or destructiveness. For a long time she chanted, calling wind after wind, and while she sang, soft breezes blew around and through the house, then came stronger winds whistling through the trees outside. As the voice of the singer rose or fell, so also danced the winds in strict harmony. 
While she sang, the people outside the house cried out, The sea grows rough and white, the waves are tossed by strong winds, and clouds are flying, the winds are gathering the clouds and twisting the heavens. But one of the dragon women sitting near Lohiau said, The noise you think is from the sea or rustling through the leaves of the trees is only the sound of the people talking outside the great building. Their murmur is like the voice of the wind. Then Pele chanted for the return of the winds to Nihau and its small islands, and the day was at peace as the voice of the singer softened toward the end of the chant. Hushed were the people, and wondering were the eyes turned upon Pele by the chiefs who were seated in the great halau. Pelly leaned on her couch of soft mats and rested. Very angry was Kilinoe, the dragon woman. Her eyes were full of fire and her face was dark with hot blood. And she said, You have seen Nihau. Perhaps you also know the winds of Kauai. By giving this challenge, she thought she would overthrow the power of Pele over Lohiau. She didn't know who Pele was, but supposed she was one of the women of high rank native to Kauai. Pele chanted again, and then she called for kite-flying winds when the birds sport in the heavens and the surf lies quiet on the incoming waves, and she sang of the winds of the Kolonahe, the winds which carry the mist, and the winds of the Hunahuna, breaking into fragments, and the sprinkling shower, the falling rain and the severe storm, the winds which touch the mountain tops and those which creep along the edge of the precipice, holding on by their fingers, and those which dash over the plains and along the sea beach, blowing the waves into mist. Then she chanted how the caves in the seacoast were opened, and the guardians of the winds lifted their calabashes and let loose evil winds, angry and destructive, to sweep over the homes of the people and tear in pieces their fruit trees and houses. Then Pele's voice rang out while she made known the character of the beautiful dragon woman. The guardians of the caves of Hena, calling them the mocking winds of Hena. The people did not understand, but the dragon women knew that Pele only needed to point them out as they sat near Lohiau to have all the chiefs cry out against them in scorn. They rushed out of the house, fleeing back to their home in the caves. When Pele ceased chanting, winds without number began to come near, scraping over the land. The surf on the reef was roaring, and the white sand of the beach rose up. 
though he have said to Pele, How great indeed have been your true words telling me of this day. Here have come the winds and destructive storms of Hena. When Pele had laid herself down on the soft mats of Puna for her long sleep, she had charged her little sister, whom she had carried with her, to wake her if she had not returned to life before nine days were past. The days were almost through to the last moment when Lohiao lamented what had happened to his land. Then, as the winds died away and the last strong gust journeyed out toward the sea, Pele heard Hiyaka's voice calling from the island of Hawaii in the magic chant that Pele had told her to use to call her back to life. Hearing this call, she bowed her head and wept. After a time, she said to Lohiao, It is not for me to remain here in pleasure with you. I must return because of the call of my sister. Your care is to obey my law, which is upon you. Calm will now take the place of the storm, and the winds will be quiet. The sea will ebb peacefully. Cascades will murmur on the mountain sides, and sweet flowers will be among the leaves. I will send my little sister, then come quickly to my home in Puna. Hiyaka knew that the time had come when she must arouse her goddess sister from her deep sleep, so she started the incantation which Pele told her to use. It would call the wandering spirit back to its home, no matter where it might have gone. This incantation was known as the Hulihia Keau, which means the current is turning. Then the spirit of Pele heard the wind passing down the sea, and soon came the call of Hiyaka over the waters. She bowed down her head and wept. When Lohiao saw the tears pouring down the face of his wife, he asked why in this time of gladness she was weeping. She didn't reply for a long time. Then she spoke of the winds with which she had danced that night, the guardians of Nihao and Kauai, a people listening to her call under the ruler of the winds, the great Lono dwelling on the waters. Then she said, You are my husband, and I am your wife, but the call has come, and I cannot remain with you. I will return to my land, to the fragrant blossoms of the Hala, but I will send one of my younger sisters to come after you. Before I forsook my land for Kauai, I put a charge upon my younger sister to call me before nine days and nights had passed. Now I hear this call, and I must not abide by the great longing of your thought. 
Then the Queen of Fire ceased speaking and began to be lost to Lohiao, who was marveling greatly at the fading away of his loved one. As Pele disappeared, peace came to him, and all the land of Kauai was filled with calm and rest. Pele's spirit passed at once to the body lying in the house thatched with tea leaves in Puna. Soon she arose and told Hiyaka to call the sisters from the sea, and they would go inland. Then they gathered round the house in which Pele had slept. Pele told them they must dance the hula of the lifted taboo and asked them, one by one, to dance. But they all refused until she came to Hiyaka, who had guarded her during her long sleep. Hiyaka wanted to go down to the beach and bathe with a friend, Hopoi, while the others went inland. Pele said, You cannot go unless you first dance for the lifted taboo. Hiyaka arose and danced gloriously before the hula god and chanted while she danced. Puna dances in the wind, the forest is shaken, Hena moves quietly, there is motion on the beach of Nanahuki. The Hulalea danced by the wife, danced with the sea of Nanahuki. Perhaps this is a dance of love, for the friend loved in sleep. Peli rejoiced at the skill of her younger sister, and was surprised by the chanted reverence to the experiences at Hena. She granted permission to Hiyaka to remain by the sea with her friend Hopoe, bathing and surfing until a messenger would be sent to call her home to Kilauea.